Man, it's such an awesome privilege to, to be here. And, you know, although there are three main services going on tonight, right here, Koryo and, uh, and Yonsei, I've got the privilege of talking to the smartest in this chapter. That's what I realized. I was coming here. And, you know, there's a temptation on my part to just group you guys as just one big ministry. But I'm like, no, this is SNU. Like, these are, like, smart people. Like, very smart people that I'm walking alongside, you know, as I'm walking to get here to this place. But I just want to say, before I get into the message, man, I just appreciate you guys. I just love you guys. and praying for you guys. And, man, you guys, you guys, you guys got a hike in this place. I was, like, on the bus. And, and just so many hills and these inclines and everything. Man, props to you guys. That you guys can come out of a place like this and, and, um, and get involved, uh, many of you, with New Philadelphia Church and just this fellowship. It's so awesome. And, and I just want to also give props to uh, Rona and the staff here. I mean, I, Rona, is a, she, she shared that I was a dear brother to her. I hope I am. Because uh, she is a dear sister to me. And I, I know very few people that love Jesus like Rona loves. Like, and I've been around for a while. I've been in many ministry circles. Like, you guys have an amazing leader. And um, I really hope that while you're here at SNU, you guys, like, receive her. She has so much to impart to you. Yeah, I'm honored to speak at her fellowship gathering right now. You know, I get so blessed. And she challenges me. And she provokes me to want to love Jesus full-heartedly, wholeheartedly in every single way. So, man, it's just awesome to be here. Like, Roy shared, I, my name is Joel. I serve as a media pastor at New Philadelphia Church. Um, I've been here now almost two years, and um, man, it's crazy. I just feel like I just came like yesterday, back in 2012, summer. But I've been here now for two years, and it's just been a joy um, being a part of the move of God that God's doing here. And, and one of the big things that I love about this church is, again, just this ministry. Like, God is moving powerfully through this ministry. And the things that you, I observe in this ministry and I've been involved with different college fellowships, different college ministries. Like, you don't really see that. Like, there is favor and there's anointing and there's grace upon this ministry. And I just want to encourage you guys not to miss out um, on what God's, the anointing that's here in this place, but to really receive. And tonight especially, I've just got a message for you. Um, but before I give this message, I just want to give a disclaimer. Um, how, many of you guys attended, how many of you guys attended a retreat? Raise your hand. And most of you guys did. There are maybe some of you who haven't. Being the first large group after the retreat, you know, you would think logically that this message is going to be kind of a follow-up to a lot of things that happened in the retreat. And if you thought so, you're correct. <laughs> I wasn't setting up for anything, like, sneaky. Um, but I do want to say, even if you haven't attended the retreat, like, there's some good stuff here. And this message is especially applicable for you. Um, it's actually a heavy topic. Like, I'm usually a very cheery guy. I like, I like cracking jokes, things like that. This is like a mean message. <laughs> like, it's really mean, you know. And, um, and you guys have to pray for me that this message comes across and it really has a love of the Lord on it. I mean, it will have a love of the Lord on it. I mean, yeah. you can trust me. But, but you guys will not be offended by, by this message. Because I, I haven't come to, like, tickle your ears. I haven't come to, like, make you guys feel good, necessarily, per se. But I really feel like the Lord has laid a message in my heart to really challenge you, provoke you, to walk in a deep way unto the Lord. Yeah. But anyways, this retreat was powerful, right? It's just been, it's been one week now. It's been over a week. And um, many of you guys were blessed and encountered God very powerfully. And I know, because I was on the stage, you know, and I saw you guys. Like, I saw you guys like flopping around. Sorry, that makes some of you uncomfortable. Um, but when the Holy Spirit comes on people, sometimes we just move, we just manifest. Alright? It doesn't always have to be like, you know? Sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes on someone, it can be something as natural as feeling the warm sensation in your heart. We both felt that. Right? If you're a human being, you felt that. Okay? Like, you feel love. And that's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit manifests himself in tears. You know, and you guys have, you have people who are weepers. Rona's amazing. <laughs> like, she comes to the K1, and in the middle of sitting down, she starts crying. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh my goodness. It's annoying sometimes. I'm going, it's not annoying. It blesses me. And sometimes, I, I get provoked by that. 
Um, but Cloister manifests himself in different ways. Because I'm just like, man, I want that for myself. I want to cry. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to work out a tear. Seldom works. Um, some people shake, like I just demonstrated. Some people jerk. Like, I'm a jerker. I like, ooh. I, I, I do that once in a while. It doesn't always happen, but just, it does happen, man. It's not like I can't control it, but sometimes when the Holy Spirit touches me, it happens. So manifestations are good. Okay? I hope we can agree to that. Just like when you get shocked by electricity, you don't just... You know? For those of you listening, I did a funny impression of that. But, um, but you know, when you get shocked, you're like, wow! You know? You just get zapped. And it's the same thing. When the power of God comes upon a person, they just can't... They usually just can't stand still. But something happens to us. And we see that all throughout the Bible, so it's very biblical. Um, man, so this retreat was full of crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. People... You know, just really touched, being touched by, by God. And a little bit about myself. When I was back in college, when I was your age, <laughs> you know, I, I may look young, but, you know, I'm, I'm a little older. I'm not super old, but I'm a little older. Uh, but when I was your age, in college, I spent my college years actually doing a lot of ministry. I traveled around with a ministry called Jericho Falls Ministry. Jericho Falls Ministry. It wasn't like a waterfall, you know, Jericho Falls. But it was like the Bible, Jericho Falls. And I'm not trying to be corny. Like, people always thought, like, Jericho Falls. Like, what? Is that a town in New Jersey? You know, J, we, we, we call, in short, we were called JFM. And our big motto was um, um, no holding back. No holding back. So during during our um, revival uh, worship times, like our worship leader would be like, all right, guys, no holding back. And the guys would be like, no holding back. And then sisters, no holy back. And sisters would be like, no holy back. And so what are the sisters that are louder than the guys? I mean, it's just, come on. But um, I was involved with that ministry, and we and I would travel all along the East Coast ministering to Asian American youth and young adults. And I did that for about three years. Um, all during my winter breaks and summer breaks, you know, I'd go to about 25 retreats and revivals, like a year. And it was, it was cool. You know, it was like being on tour a lot of times. So that was a cool aspect of it. But but it was it was really a privilege to be involved with what I was doing, especially that ministry. And it was a ministry that set people free. Like like New Philly style free. In fact, this last retreat, what you guys saw me like worshiping freely, like I felt like I was back at JFM. Like it was that kind of worship. And so when we go to retreats and everything, our desire was to see people liberated to that. You know, we want to see the that's why it was called Jericho Falls. We want to see walls fall down in people's lives. And people liberated to worship God in complete freedom. And a lot of times when we come in to the retreat, that first night, it's kind of like, oh, it's awkward. People don't know each other very well. It's like, I don't know where I'm at. And it's, it hinders them from like, expressing themselves in worship freely. And, but then we, we press in as ministry. We pray um, in, into the night. And we really contend for a full expression of worship. And that would eventually come the third day when, you know, it's kind of like that unspoken. If, you, if, you're, if you're familiar with church culture and retreat culture, growing up in the church, it's like by the third night, we have to jump up. You know, we, we got to do it. It's just, it's, just, it's just wrong if you don't. <laughs> and so... Um, we don't, we don't speak of that in church culture, but that's kind of like an unspoken standard, isn't it? Like, we've got to jump up and down. And if, and if that happens, then it's like, okay, the retreat was a success. It was a success. We got the entire room to jump up and down and praise Jesus. What a success. And then, and then the whole charismatic movement really started hitting. And then the golden standard of retreats shifted from that to now something of manifestations. It's like, we've got to see people manifest. We gotta see people slain in the spirit. You guys we gotta see fire falling, and that is the golden standard of a retreat. Like we had an epic time. Because we saw people smash, you know, we saw people like, you know, totally like hit with the glory of God. It almost sounds like I'm talking about partying here, you know? But um but that's like the golden standard now that we view. And like the thing is like, that's great. That's awesome. I don't want to put any of that down. Like, I think that's good. The freedom that God gives. And when God touches someone, I really do believe, in many cases, it's genuine. But I was just thinking about, you know, where are our priorities in going to see the effectiveness of retreats? You know, and I was like, is it right to say that the golden standard, like, the, the greatness and, the, and, and what defines a good retreat is just all of that stuff? And, and I was just thinking, and I was just praying, and, and the Lord was just moving my heart. And I was just, and the revelation came to my heart that, man, that shouldn't be the golden standard of retreats. You know, it's, that's great. I mean, that's awesome. I celebrate that. 
But if it's if, it, if that was just that, and nothing happened like afterwards, like all it was was just a big party, and then after it was over, we just all kind of go home and live our own plain lives with nothing happening. The gold standard retreat is not any of that kind of stuff. And I say this to challenge some of us who, you know, it's so easy to get swept up in that, but also to challenge some of us who just didn't experience that or don't experience it naturally. It's not any of that stuff, but the golden standard retreat, it's not about what happens in the retreat, but what's after the retreat. That's the golden standard. That's what we should apply. That's what we should judge um, retreats on. And, yeah, let me, like, is there something substantial after the retreat? Like, that's what I'm into, guys. Like, I, I, don't get me wrong. I, I just shared my past with you. I'm all into, like, man, having a glorious, good old time in the presence of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But to me, what's more important, and I believe to the Lord, what's more important is what happens after. Mm-hmm. When we go home. Like, how do we live that out? Are our lives going to sing out like a song like we sing? Are, are our lives going to be loud as the songs that we sing? Are our lives going to be crazy like, like the dance moves we give before the Lord, you know, in a big, like, concert retreat setting? Here are some signifiers that demonstrate to me a good retreat. You don't have to take notes. I'm just kind of sharing this. And I think what a good retreat is when after the retreat's over, you go home, and you've been so transformed, your mind's been so renewed that Jesus is the only thing that you can think about. He's the preoccupation of your soul, day and night, from the morning you wake up to the moment you go to sleep at night. Like, I think that is, that, that's a gold standard of, of, of a retreat. <clears throat> When you hunger and desire the word of God like never before. Like there are moments in the day when, when the last thing you want to turn to is the word of God. But somehow something's come over you in the retreat. And now you're like, I need the word of God. Like I want to read it. There's something in my spirit that's crying out. Like deep cries out to deep. Like give me some of the word of God. And when the fruits of spirit begin to arise in your life. Like there's more love, joy, peace, patience. All that stuff. The fruit of the spirit. And also when there's a renewed vigor and victory over old addictions and habits and mindsets. Like, these are all gold standards, I think, of what should happen after retreat. Um, and when these things occur, not just for like a month or two, right? Like that retreat high, and I'm speaking to that a little later. But like, they occur as like a permanent life change that you will not turn back from. Like, to me, that's so much, and to God, that is so much more valuable than anything that we could have kind of gone through or, or, or uh, you know, experienced at the retreat. It's really what happens after. Like, how will you walk it out? Okay, so uh, if that was challenging to you, because I see some, some uh, like I'm challenged pieces, um, like it's going to get worse, all right? Okay, so, um, but just know that it comes from a heart of love, and like I'm going to be real with you guys tonight, okay? Like super real. I don't know what the other amazing therapists are going to preach. They'll probably preach a lot more uplifting messages. I, like this, my, this message is a, is a smackdown, you know? but I'll be gentle. But um, it's going to be real, just getting you ready. There's some deceptions that we need to be aware of. It's good to know deceptions, right? Because if you know, if you know deceptions that you're not being deceived, you're not following and believing a lie, and you're actually being set free. So there's some deceptions that we need to be aware of. Number one deception, especially coming out after a retreat, is a deception that you've changed. Some of you are like, what a jerk. You're so mean, Pastor Joel. I changed. I cried my tears before the Lord and I wept and I, I had the pastors lay hands on me. I'm a changed man. I was jacked up in the spirit, you know? You know, I'm changed. Awesome. That's great. I praise the Lord. And I'm not being sarcastic there. I'm like, that's good. That's good. But you know what? It's not. It's good to feel blessed in the Lord. It's good to feel joyful and happy and dance and all of that. But biblically, guys, those things are not necessary indicators of true change. Okay, those things are not necessary indicators of true change. What is true change? True change is when you put things into action, when you actually do something, when you follow up those experiences with with faithfulness and obedience. Theme of the retreat was what? Hidden wisdom of God. You know what Jesus says about wisdom? Wisdom is proved right by her actions. Not just by her hearing, but her actions. Matthew eleven nineteen. So, like, I'm going to be real. Like, don't believe that lie, okay? I mean, believe it in some sense, but, but like, look, to me, I'm being real, okay? You know, I'm not trying to be tough here. 
I, I can't say for certain that you guys have changed. Until I've seen you guys for like four months. And I've seen like some fruit. Then, I, then, then I'll say, I'll submit, be like, okay, Lord, Lord's been doing something in someone's life. But don't believe that lie, because you know, if, if you do kind of believe that, and you're like, you know, I've changed, I've changed, you'll, you, only, you only made yourself disillusioned. And you're only going to fall into just that kind of cycle. But I'm, I'm sharing this not to discourage you, I'm sharing to like, like challenge you guys, provoke you guys. And fight for the change that you receive in the retreat. Like, you gotta fight for it. Like, this is when it starts, you gotta contend for it. Yeah. So, um, nothing's changed until your actions show something changed. That's the point I'm, I'm trying to speak to you guys. Nothing's changed until your actions show something's changed. Manifestations, as great as they are, and many of you have experienced it, okay, they should and must lead to transformations. Manifestations should lead to transformations. Manifestations are not... God doesn't do that for the purpose of manifestations. You know, He does that so that... You know, he, God sovereignly touches someone, He convicts that person, and he, he, he forcefully encounters someone. And it's not because it's, He just wants to, like, give that guy a good time in the moment, you know? It's like, ooh, you know? It's, it's, that's, that's great. It's, I mean, it's cool. But He's doing that because He wants that per- He wants to do a work in that person. Okay, He wants to do work. He wants to conform and mold and shape the person into the image of Christ. He's not just there to touch that person, but it's a violent process where he's like, guys, not everyone manifests in the spirit. No. Like, I've ministered to people in settings, people who didn't know how to, like, manifest, okay? Because in charismatic culture, you see people do that, and it's kind of psychologically, you want to do that too, and, you know, it just happens. But I've been in places where, completely conservative, I ministered, and I ministered to people who had no idea what it meant. But as I, as I laid my hand on them and prayed over them, they started, like, shaking and jerking. And then afterwards, like, there was a fear of God that came over me because it's like, man, God selected you. Like, God has his hand on your life. He has his hand on your life because he wants to do something. Like, a fear of God should be coming over your hearts. Like, man, like, if God has touched me in that kind of way and it was real and genuine, like, I can't let that fall to the floor. I can't despise what God's doing. Like, I got to do something with my life. I got to change. I got to transform. That's what manifestations are for. All right, you guys are like... I don't like you right now, but, but okay, okay. Um, like, I personally don't get, I, again, I've, I've been around, like, IHOP. I've, I've spent some time in Kansas City. So I've been in places where thousands of people manifest. And I've been to Bethel. I've been to a lot of anointed places. And I've seen the craziest manifestations, all right? Like, crazy, okay? Like, like, like you guys would be offended if you saw it. <laughs> like, that stuff, it doesn't, like, impress me anymore. You know, I used to think like, oh, that person's so holy. They're getting so touched by the Lord. It's like, oh, show. He's like, oh, wow. He said, show. You know, like, you got, some of you don't get me. That's a manifestation. Some people shout. So I'll be like, oh, show. 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 And I'm like, what? Show what? Like, that stuff doesn't impress me. And, and I don't want you guys to be impressed by that either. But what I want you guys to be impressed by and what I want you guys to contend for, what impresses me is not manifestations, but humility. Mm, come on. The grace to overlook offense. Like, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the stuff God wants. Forgiveness. Joy. Especially in situations when you're like, I have no reason to be joyful right now. Like, my life sucks. Like, I don't want to be joyful at all. But you decide, make a decision in your spirit to be joyful. Put a smile on your face. And delight in the Lord and thank Him. Like that is what impresses me. And that's what moves the heart of God. So much more than these kind of things. Okay. So um, another deception that we need to be aware of is that receiving revelation means we've changed. Okay. Because at this retreat, like it was, it was a special retreat where it's not like, it's not the typical retreat um, in the sense that our speakers this time around, if you guys noticed me listening, like they were just throwing bucket loads of revelation. Revelation, revelation. Some of you guys were trying to take notes and you guys gave up. You're like, I'm just going to listen to the recording. You know, it's like, I don't want any of this so much, so much. And like, that's awesome. It's like really good stuff. And I hope like we do like, you know, take the challenge, like go and get it and just like mine it and see what, what God says to us in it. But if I can be real with us, as good and powerful as hearing revelation in the moment, you know, like 75% of the time, 75% of all of that, you forget about it in a month. You really do. Like, it's, it's not just a, 
a Holy Spirit kind of thing I'm sharing with you. It's a, it's a secular thing. Like most things you hear through your ear, you forget. Unless you actually follow through and do something about it. So, um, receiving revelation, that doesn't mean we've changed. As much as we like to think that, oh, I'm wiser now, I'm smarter. But the practice of revelation means that we've changed. The practice of it. Um, Ezekiel 33, verses 30. Um, you don't have to turn it out. I'll just kind of read the passage. A lot of times we tend to, like, if we get caught up in that culture of just seeking revelation, 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 just getting tickled by it and do nothing about it. Like, this is how the Lord feels about it. Ezekiel 33, verse 30. He's talking to Ezekiel right now. As for you, son of man, your countrymen are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, Come, hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do, and they sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them, you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but they, do not, but they do not put them into practice. Like this was spoken of the Israelites because they were like in the season of rebellion. And God was using Ezekiel powerfully to speak words of truth and, and exhortations towards the body. But like they would come and they would do the same thing as us. They would come and be like, oh, that was good. Oh, yeah, Ezekiel. Oh, yeah. Mm, come on, preach, preach. But then after it was over, they did nothing about it. And that grieved the heart of God. And a lot of times, this passage is so relevant to the church today. A lot of us are like that. We come as we usually do, you know, taking scripture right there, and we just hear the word of God, but it's like, it's just entertainment, you know? It's not the word of God. Like, we don't take it and actually walk with it. We don't put it into practice. And, man, and I feel like in a larger, if I'm speaking more broadly of the church of charismatic culture, if I can just lecture a little bit, I feel like we live in a time period where, honestly, we're saturated with so much revelation, left and right. On your Facebook feed, you know, on your Twitters, on the pages of your favorite prophets and your favorite apostolic leaders across the body of Christ. Um, you know, the pastors at the church, we, we put stuff on Facebook. You, you, you're, you're like, shh, 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 like everywhere, just revelation, revelation, revelation. But the thing is, there's like, where's the action? Like, where is the action? Like the way, I mean, I, 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 I'm genuinely concerned. Can I just be honest? I'm genuinely concerned. Like... Like, I see so much stuff going out, and I see so much people, like, looking to, like, hear the best messages from, from like, amazing speakers in the world. But it's like, it's like all that happens, but, but where is the action afterwards? Where is the action afterwards? Like, are you going to let that be your whole, like, ideal of Christian life? Like, are you just going to, is your, is your Christian life, does it all come down to just being tickled in your heart by some anointed speakers? Well, no action on your part in doing anything about it. No sacrifice, no cost, no discipleship, no carrying the cross. I mean, what, what happened to all of that? I mean, we've all, we're, we're all just a whole bunch of woers and ho, you know, and, you know, whoa, like, that's good, you know. I mean, guys, let's not walk that path. We got to stop that. We got to actually do it. I'm telling you, from this retreat, even one little aspect of revelation that you take and you apply it seriously, you walk out, you'll be so much more blessed, more changed and transformed in that place of faithfulness and obedience than someone who's taken all the revelation, just gotten like a Holy Spirit mega session, and then and afterwards, afterwards they come back home and like, and like they spend time with God like once a week. Like you'll be so much more blessed being someone who takes one little bit of truth but walks faithfully day by day. Before the Lord, just loving Him, hearing His words, you'll, that's, you'll be so much more blessed in that in that place than the other. Man, man, this this is getting like me pumped up, you know. <laughs> Furthermore, it's like it says in James, and James lays lays a smackdown. I think James was a cleric, you know. He's just like in your face. He was like, he's like, guys, do you not know? Like, do you believe there's a God? Good. The demons believe too. And they shudder. You know, he's saying, like, you know, we're no different than demons. Like, demons get revelation of God. Do you know that? Okay? That we're no different than demons, but we actually do something with it. Like, can you see, like, the enemy kind of, like, using that to, like, his advantage? Like, he'll just, woo, woo, woo. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll get you excited. And then, but then, as long as you don't do anything about it, he's happy. You know, he'll, he'll throw a bucket loads of revelation. Revelation! 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 And as long as, like, you don't, sorry, you don't act upon that, he's like, this is great. This is awesome. I'll throw the knowledge of God all you want. 
all you want, all you want. But it doesn't, if it doesn't become a love language, if it doesn't become an action to the Lord, like it's just, it was pointless. You know, it's, it's the biggest deception that you're walking under. Man. Purpose of revelation, it's to draw closer intimacy with the Lord. That's what, simply what it is. Like that provoking of your heart. It's provo- it provoking of your heart. It's, it's, it's provoking you towards something. And that something is more intimacy with the Lord, or it should be. They're just appetizers. Little appetizers for you to be like, oh, that's good. I've got to take that back in my prayer closet. Really digest it, chew on it. Mm. <laughs> you chew on it and really get the word inside of me. Man, I, I go to Costco and Home Plus um, all the time. These days I've been really into cooking. So uh, I've been walking Home Plus and I've been walking the alleys that I usually walk. But I, I walk in the baking alleys, <laughs> check out the flour, things like that. Because I've, I've been into cooking and I've been, tr- and one of my favorite foods is pancakes. So like, yes, I love pancakes. And like Korea, I'm sorry, Korea, you don't make the best pancakes. And I just, I just look at my own recipes and I make my own pancakes. And, and, and I just feel like, Maybe I shouldn't share this, too much information. But, you know, I feel a little feminine sometimes walking along these places and, and seeing all this stuff. I'm like, I'm like, baking soda, baking powder, you know? Like, what guy, like, takes that? All right, I sound really ignorant right now. <laughs> Forgive me, I said that. But, um, but I go to Costco, Home Plus, and as I'm doing it, sometimes I just get hungry. And then along the alleys, like, at the end of the alleys, you'll see people, like, giving away, like, free samples of food. And I'm like, oh, that looks so good. <laughs> you know, like that mandu, it's like... <laughs> And then I'll take one round, and I'll go to another place. I'll take that one, and I'll go to another place. I'll take that one, and it's like, and it's nice because it kind of it's like a little snack, and uh, and I do that, and you guys do that too. So don't laugh at me. <laughs> but I would never think of doing that for dinner. Like that wouldn't be my dinner, that wouldn't be my lunch. But the crazy thing is, I have friends who that is their dinner. They're like, yo, I'm gonna go to Costco, man. I'm so cool. I'm so clever and swift. You know, I'm going to go. I'm not going to pay you money. I'm going to go, doop, 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 And I'm going to, man, yeah, come on. I'm, I'm good. That, that's my dinner right there. And I'm just like, I, I, you're so stupid, you know? I would never do that. And as much as we laugh about it, though, guys, that's a picture of the church. All right? We go around getting little freebies of revelation from our favorite preachers. Okay, we don't go to the Lord during our own time, but we just like, ooh, that's a good one. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. And we're too lazy to pay the actual cost of buying the whole thing in our times with the Lord and going before God and getting the whole meal. And you wonder why some of us are just unsatisfied, you know? You're just getting revelation, revelation, pizza and pieces of revelation. It's not going to satisfy you. You guys that were at the retreat, like Pastor Benjamin preached, those are just signs, something deeper that you were meant to go and seek for yourself. There's so much a deeper, better meal that God has in store for you than just these little pieces. What does satisfy you? As great as receiving revelation, and there's some keywords that can come and really provoke you from good teachers, but I feel like what satisfies me infinitely so much more than, any, than hearing something from a man is when I get revelation from God. Some of you guys know what I mean. You, you open your word in your quiet time, and something... And the revelation just pops into your heart. And you're like, you know, that was from the Lord. Because you were too smart to think of it for yourself. <laughs> it's like, man, that's good. And it changes you. It redirects your heart better than any sermon could. Because it's, it, there's something divine behind it. This is something of the Holy Spirit. Like, guys, that's what you need. Like, that's what you need if you want to go far. You can't depend upon these little bits of revelation. Like, you got to hear from the Lord himself. Man does not live on bread alone, but, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. When God speaks, he creates life. And when you digest the word of God, life enters into you. That's what you need. That's what you need. Go deeper. Don't settle for the scraps. Don't settle for those things, as, as good as they are. Don't make a decision in your heart tonight. Like, I'm not going to live by the revelation of man. But, you know, I'm going to live by the revelation of the word of God that he speaks to me. My own time with him. You know, God delights in speaking to us, your speakers, but he delights so much more when we come before him with a hungry heart and we press in. And sometimes it's not easy, to be honest. Sometimes it's hard. You just gotta, you gotta be in the place you gotta wait upon the Lord and you just gotta, you know, you gotta, for me, it's a lot of willpower. But Lord says, if you seek me with all your heart, then you'll find me. Like God wants your heart. He's not doing that to be a jerk. 
But he's like, man, how much does this guy love me? How much is, he, he, God is a challenging God. He's not a comfortable God. He'll challenge you. But you'll find that on the other end of the rainbow, the reward of knowing him is so worth any discomfort that you would have gone through in that challenge. Man, that's what God wants. He wants you guys to go deep, not settle on the surface. And ultimately, guys, that is true spiritual maturity. That is true spiritual maturity. It's not about, again, how much you know, but it's about how much you can practice. I I hope that comforts you because it comforts me. Because honestly, I am a man of ambition and zeal. You know, I, I like to go after the most anointed guys and have, their hand, have, have them lay their hands on me. When I was at IHOP, um, I found a way into the worship team's meeting at IHOP. <laughs> it was legitimate because I was serving on the Korean Harp and Bowl team at IHOP. Yeah, yeah. Um, they usually don't let interns, which I was at the time, into the worship ministry of, of IHOP unless you graduated. But they made an exception for me because for me, I was Korean. And they wanted to build the Korean Harp and Bowl. So I was like, I was like that's right. That's right, I'm only here for three months, but man, I get to attend this meeting. And, um, and I was sitting next to, like, like um, Ryan Kondo, am I right? Laura Hackett was in front of me. And all these, like, famous worship leaders, like, I almost had a nervous breakdown. Like, I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then we had group prayer, and then, and we, so we, we, we had to turn, make, you know, pray for each other. You know, we do that in New Philly. Like, you break up at two or three, so, like, I got to do that with, like, these amazing worship leaders. I'm like, at other times I would hate doing that, because I'm, like, an introvert. I'm like, get away from me. Get away from me, right? <laughs> But here I help. I'm like, yes, group prayer. Come on, pray with me. Pray with me. And so, um, <laughs> and so, like, you know, we had prayer time. And then after our prayer time, like, Misty Edwards would go up there. And this was like November before one thing. So she was like on fire, you know. She was like rallying the troops to get ready for one thing. And she was like, man, she is a leader. Let me tell you, like, she's a really good leader. Like, she's speaking, and people are crying because she's speaking. And she's not even trying, you know. She's just speaking out of the overflow of intimacy that she has with God. And she's just like, you know, laying revelation and just provoking people towards loving Jesus, that one thing, reality, that IHOP we're all about. And after her, Mike Bickle gets up. And I'm like, Mike Bickle. <laughs> like, guys, I love Mike Bickle. <laughs> I'm sure you can tell in my face. Like, he is like one of my spiritual fathers. I mean, I've, um, it's another story, but, um, but the, guy, the guy in his teachings, it meant so much to me. So to see him in person, He's not the tallest guy, you know, he's kind of short, but um, you know, it's like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know, I, you know you're not like this, woo, but you know, you're like a regular guy like me, but to see him preach with authority and just, I was like, awesome, awesome, awesome. But there's then, but then there's something in my heart burning. I'm like, I can't just leave this place without having these guys lay hands on me and praying for me. And so when it was all over and like these guys, like, you know, they're professionals at, like, jetting a room, like, as soon as they speak, because they know they're going to get hounded. But I didn't care. Like, no one would have stood in my way. Like, as soon as it was over, I just made a beeline right to Mike Bickle. And he was, like, you know, right at the public. He was, like, cleaning things up. And I came to him, like, like this. I was, like, you know, I was, like, I was, like, Mike, can you please pray for me? You know, I want your prayer. <laughs> you know, I'm an intern here, and I'm going back home. And please, if you just lay hands and just bless me, that would be great. And he, didn't, he doesn't even look up. He's like, oh, yeah? Okay. Okay. He's like, come here. And he goes, oh. Like he grabs my shoulder and he pulls me in towards him. Like this deep embrace. Like the guy's strong. I'm like, oh. I'm like okay. <laughs> he lined up it. And then he just blesses me. And then after he blesses me, he's like, I love you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Mike Bagel said he loves me. And then after he was done, I, like, I wasn't over. Like, again, I'm a man of ambition, a man of zeal. I was like, where's Misty? Where's Misty? So I chased after Misty Edwards, and she was, like, on her way out. Like, she was, like, walking down the aisle. I chased after her. I grabbed her arm. Like, that leather jacket, I just grabbed it. I still remember the sensation. Like, <laughs> like Misty, will you please pray for me? And I think, I, and if you guys know Misty, she's a very reticent person, very introverted. She doesn't go to birthday parties. She's very by herself. Um, so I thought she was going to, like, reject me. But she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. And I was like, oh, my goodness, she's going to actually pray for me. And she just, she, and she prayed over me. She prophesied over me. And I am telling you, I felt like a million bucks, as those two guys did. <laughs> I, I, I'm, like, reliving the emotions right now in my heart. Oh, that was so good. Like, it was like a week before I was supposed to drive back to New Jersey. And uh, I was like, I can die a happy man. Two of the most influential people had prayed for me. Um. Why am I sharing that story? 
Well, I got a lot of time. How, how long do I have to? You're good? When do you, what time do you guys end? What time do you guys end? Oh, okay, okay, cool. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, thank you. Sorry for that intrusion. Um, but why am I sharing a story? Yes, because I'm telling you, it should bring you comfort to know that you don't, as much as I crave that and I desire that and I long for that, honestly, like that's, that stuff is good. But what God wants more is not, he wants you to be blessed. But what he wants more is you actually do something about it after you receive. I think so many times, like we really do come to this sort of mania over speakers and we, we seek out their anointings and everything. But then we're, we're too, I can just call us out, we're too lazy to do anything about it afterwards. We're too lazy to set that schedule, right? We always talk about setting a schedule and have your time with God. We're too lazy to do that. We're too lazy to fast. We, we don't want to disconvenience ourselves. And I just feel like the Lord wants to break us out of that. You know, especially with such a powerful retreat. Like, what are you going to do about it? You don't need to have talked. And this is why this message is applicable for those who didn't attend the retreat. For those who didn't attend, I'm telling you, you don't need to have gone to, to walk in the fullness of joy and anointing. Like, if you decide tonight, you know what? If you said tonight, man, Pastor Joel, he's got a point there. I wish I could have gone, but you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be shortchanging my blessing. I'm going to decide every night before I go to sleep to spend an hour with the Lord reading the Bible. If you did that for nine months after that, I'm telling you, like, the level of breakthrough, the level of release and glory over your life would far surpass someone who's gone to the retreat and was only able to do it for two months before slipping back into the Revelation junkie mode. So it should encourage you, and it encourages me. And, um, and why do I share that? Why do I share that? Because cause that's happened to me one time. That's happened to me one time, and I'm just sharing story after story, but uh, hopefully this one will be more shorter to the point, but even if it doesn't, you have no choice. You have to listen. <laughs> like, at my old church, we used to invite a guy named Bob Hartley from Kansas City to come over. And this guy is, like, super prophetic. Like, super, super prophetic. Like, you don't know prophetic until you've met Bob Hartley. Like, he would come, and he calls out people's telephone numbers. Yeah, yes way. <laughs> okay, he would come, and he would spell out names. Korean names. Like, he's praying for my, my, my friend, and then he's like, wait a minute. J-Y-E-H-Y-E-J-H-E, who is this, who is this? And, and, and what happened to my friend's wife? And she's like, this woman is a woman of God. And my friend's like, you know, he's like, what the heck, you know? And he's just receiving the blessing. And he's not even about trying to receive his own blessing anymore. He's like, okay, yeah, bless my wife. And he just prophesies over the wife. Like, this guy will come, and he would be like, okay. He's not the best speaker in the world, but he, like, when he gets to prophetic mode, he's just like, it's like, it's like, it's like where, where, are the, where are the cables? Where, where's the reality TV? You know, like, like, television sets. But he would go, and he'd be like, I see a... Uh, Two zero one seven three two five four two one. Is is this anyone's telephone number? And then someone would be like, "It's me." And he'd be like, "God's trying to get in touch with you." Oh yeah. And these are people who have no experience with the charismatic. Okay. So when they when they, when they get confronted with the with the, the glory and the, and the reality of God, like there's a fear of God that comes over the room because you're like, "Man, God is so real." Like, their lives changed night and day. Next morning, they wake up completely different people. Because they, they, they're founded. There's a breakthrough in their hearts, which tells them that they're, more, they're secure in the knowledge that God knows them in a level that they couldn't have known before. I got so much stories to share about this guy. And there's another time when he was going, and, and he was like, um, T-A-N-G-S-O-O man. A Tang Su man. Is there a Tang Su man here? And no one's named Tang Su, you know? <laughs> That's just a weird name to be named after. Um, but what happened was, that was actually someone's like, ah, sa, ah, sa, tang su man, ah, sa. Like, it was one of their IDs in, like, in games like that. And it's like, are you freaking kidding me? And, then, and it would be that person, and then he prophesied over that person. Like, incredibly, incredibly, incredibly prophetic. Like, you don't know prophetic unless you met Bob Harley. And, um, and I had the pleasure a lot of times of driving him around because I was an intern at the church at that time. And... And, and I was just, like, soaking in his anointing. I'm like, oh. Like, just being around him, like, makes me want to, like, spend time with God. Because he spends, like, eight hours a day praying for the Lord. 
He's given himself to a lifestyle of hearing from the Lord. Like, the thing that he does when he goes to church is he asks for a list of the leaders, and that's all he asks for. And then he'll take the list, and he'll pray for eight hours. And then when he comes out, he'll just go through the list and just speak different things out of different people. And he'll just, he'll say addresses of people like he's never met before, phone numbers, things like that. It's crazy. This guy is nuts. Um, one time, I was hoping my name would be called. You know, um, and one time, <laughs> there was a time when he was doing a video cast. And the video cast was going long, and I was one of the last to go. He's like, Joel Kim. And people are like, oh, Joel, Joel, it's you, it's you. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know? And he's like, oh, we'll do it next time. <laughs> and called the video cast. I was like... I was like, no. And, um, oh, man, that's, that's, it's, it's funny because it's like you really wanted to hear. Um, and, I ne- by the way, I never heard that prophecy either. Never. He said that he would record himself, but he forgot. And he's forgetful at times, too. But, um, but there was that one time where it was a similar situation like that. And people around me were getting so, like, encountered by the Lord. They're getting, like, life destiny spoken over them, like, in very detailed ways. And, like, I just felt like I was the only one getting missed. And I just felt like I wasn't really receiving anything. And so, um, to be honest with you guys, I was like, Lord, is it because I wasn't praying enough? <laughs> is it because, like, I, I, wasn't that, I wasn't that intimate with you these days? And whether that was the right mindset to have or not, it actually really drove me for the next few months to be like, all right. They may have gotten those words, but I'm going to spend, like, time with God like crazy, like, every day. And so, like, I got on my knees every morning, and, like, I would pray, like, three hours each day, like, for the next, like, two months. And, like, and, like my heart would just, whether I did it in the flesh or not, I don't know. But what happened was that my heart would just naturally get so alive and so tender just in the presence of God. And by the time he came and visited again, guess what? My name was called. And he spoke things over me. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> that you got to do that for the Lord's speak. He can break in without that, okay? But I'm, illustri- I'm sharing the story to illustrate the point that it's not about what happens in an event. It's about what happens afterwards. Like, you can make a decision right now to be committed and, and, and wholehearted to the Lord, and that will make all the difference to God. Okay? That, that's more powerful than, than you being, like, at a retreat and just, like, and just totally blasted. Like, that, that's, that's what God's looking for. Yeah. True spiritual maturity. I could go wrong. I could go on and on with stories like this, but um but it's really about how much can you obey and how much can you practice. Corinthians eight one three, it says you don't have to turn there, I'll just read. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. While, pre- while preparing this message, that passage spoke to me in a completely different way. Because what this passage is saying that we all possess knowledge. But what does knowledge ultimately do? What does revelation do? If we're honest, if we're not careful, it, it puffs you up. It makes your head big. It makes you think you're more mature, people, more, you're more mature than people who don't have that revelation. But the scripture is saying, you know what? Knowledge puffs up, but love, like that builds up. Like love builds up. Love builds you up and love builds other people up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. When you go before the Lord, when I go before the Lord, this fear of God comes over me. Like that's the true signifier in my heart showing me that I've reached the presence of God when I feel that fear. And, and when I get the sense that I have no idea what I'm dealing with right now. You know, like this God is so amazing. And great, like humility is one of like is one of the one of the things that comes with an encounter with God in, in your private. You know, when you're with the Lord. Um, but this passage is saying you can have all of that. You cannot. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. Known by God. Like, what would you rather have? Would you rather be known by people, or would you rather be known by God to have love? And be loved by God and known by God. Like to take the knowledge of God and turn that into love back towards the God, back towards God. That's a guy that God that God recognizes more than anything else. Amen. I just have a few more points I want to go through. I hope that's okay with you guys. What, what God requires of you guys is love. Love. 
Jesus makes it clear that that's what loving him means. Love. It's not about a sensational experience, okay? It's about obedience and devotion. And we can see that in our lives. Love either in relationships or in marriage. It's very seldom about the emotions and the sensations of being in love. Because that stuff, as great as it is, it goes away really quickly. And you're faced with the decision whether you will continue to love that person past the emotions, past the, um, past the, the feelings that aren't there anymore or weren't as strong as before. Love is about action. It's about sacrifice. It's about paying the cost. And I, I see in you guys a hunger to want to love God. Okay? Smackdown moment. Okay? <laughs> Loving God is not going to retreat and doing nothing about it afterwards. That's like using God. That's like taking God on a date and then just not calling him afterwards. <laughs> I told you a smackdown coming. <laughs> Warned you guys ahead of time. But do you know what love is? And Jesus demonstrated love for us. Love is obeying the teaching of Jesus. It's obedience. Jesus demonstrated love by not just feeling compassion in his heart, but doing something about it. He came down to the earth as a man. And he took the cross. I mean, even I mean, imagine knowing that your life would ultimately culminate in you being crucified. You know, like, down the line to, at some point. Like, how would you feel? Like, what would be the emotional and psychic toll on your brain as you, go, as you went through each day and said, T minus 20 years, you know, T minus 19 years, until that moment where you get crucified on the cross. Like, Jesus went through that for you. Like, he went through the commitment of staying in that place. I'm like, I love these guys so much. I'm going to take that cross and die for them. He paid the cost. He was sacrificial. He was obedient. Like, love, ultimately, it's, it's, it, that's what it comes down to. It's about obedience. It's about obedience. Do you love God? Then show it. That was a rhetorical question. Some of you are like, yes. If you love God, you need to show it. You need to prove it. Okay? God loves you. That's, he, you, you can be sure of that. He's proven that time and time again. And through the passage of history and time in his retreat. But do you love God? You have an opportunity to show it to him. Yeah. One of the things I hear most about retreats, and um, this is one of my last points before I go into my application points. <laughs> Don't worry, those will be a little shorter. Um, but one of the la- most things I hear about retreat is just that, Pastor Joel, I, I just don't want to go on this retreat because I don't want to go through that retreat high again. I don't want to experience that toll of feeling in love with the Lord and then a few months later, like, you know, not feeling anything. I'm j- I, just, I just can't play that game. But the good news is that's, that's God's message to us too. He doesn't want to play that game with us either. Okay? It's, it's not supposed to be a retreat. It's not, the Christian life isn't a roller coaster. It's, uh, it's, it's a roller coaster where you go up and you don't come down. <laughs> no, no, this is better. It's, it's a hike. It's a hike up a mountain. You go up a little bit, then you stop and see what, what, how high you've been. You're like, this is awesome. This is glorious. But there's actually more to go. Boom, 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 boom. You go up a little higher. You're like, this is awesome. Like, the view here is even better than it was before below. Like, this is amazing. But, oh, my goodness, there's actually more to go. I'm going up the mountain right now. Doom, 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 doom. Woo! You know, like, I see Africa. I don't know. I see, I see another country far, far away. Guys, this is glorious. This is freaking insane. But there's still more to go. Like, that's the Christian life. Amen? It's an upward journey. There's no coming down. All right? God is not emotionally unstable. You know, he's not, he's not really happy at the retreat, and all of a sudden he's, like, really depressed at you. And really happy at another retreat, really depressed. That's not God. That's us, you know. But God is always joyful. He's always happy. He's not any more glorious at a retreat than he could be in your room with him. That is the truth. Like, God wants to love on you, and he wants to show his glory to you. And it's, more, it's infinitely so much more special when, when he shows it to you in your room, when it's just you and him. 
and you, got, you have this tender moment before you and the Lord that no one could share, that even if you were to try to describe with words would completely fail. Because it's just those moments where you feel like you were, you were made for those moments. Like, it's the sum of your existence to be in the moment. That God, that, that anyone, that the President of the United States could give you a platform to rule over the entire world. I don't know, that's crazy. But crazy <laughs> like that, you wouldn't care because you know the greatest platform you have is the platform nearest God's heart. And that will never change. Man, guys, get it. Like, that's what love is. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And, you know, he he says, if you obey my commands, John 15, 10, you will remain in my love. You will remain in my love. The trick to breaking out of that retreat cycle is simple as remaining in the love of God. And that comes when you obey, when you actually do something. For me, retreats, they... I've been to so many, okay, and um, they're good when I go on. I mean, I'm not trying to trick you guys and be like, they don't do it for me anymore. No, they're really good, okay? I'm not taking anything away from retreats. But to me, my times with God in my room, you know, when I'm with him, opening my Bible and just worshiping to the Lord and just prostrate on the floor with dust on my face. <laughs> like, oh, this is gross, you know? Um, that's so much more valuable to me. Honestly, like, that's where the Lord ministers to me. That's where the Lord touches me. Like, that's the stuff that hits my heart more than going to any crazy, awesome retreat. As, as much a blessing as these retreats are. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a little older now, you know? You guys are like, you're not that old, Pastor Troll. I'm not, like, in my 40s, but, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 30s now, okay? I'm past my 20s. I'm past, like, the exciting retreat, retreat. Like, I've been to so many, and now I'm, I'm at a phase in my life where I'm just like, okay, I want the real thing. As good as it is, there's, there's got to be something more than that. And I have it. That's why I have such joy. Because I know that I have a portion in the Lord that I can go back to. No matter how crappy my day is, I have Jesus in my room. Like, I have that access to God, like, in the Word. Like, I, I get to see His face. I get to hear from Him. I don't, we don't even, sometimes we don't even talk. We, we just see each other in each other's presence. Like, knowing the knowledge that the, that the Creator of the whole universe is in my room with me, in my little 10 by 10 cubicle, you know, in, in my little dinky apartment, knowing that the creator of the universe is with me in my room. Like, I have that, guys. Like, that's what God wants for you. Like, he wants you to know that. And if you know that and you get that on a heart level, it changes everything. It changes everything. I don't care if you're thrown in prison. I don't care if you're in the most worst situations. Brother Yoon. You guys know Brother Yoon? Brother Yoon, is, he, was, he was a house church leader in China who was arrested, tortured beyond sanity. I mean, this guy made... Apostle Paul looked like me, you know, like, he, he, like, like us. Like, he, like this guy had electric rods shoved into his mouth and like, like, and you know, he felt like his brains were going to pop out. I mean, like he was tortured like crazy. One thing that he said that was, was when he was in prison, he was like, he got so caught up in the prison routine and he didn't spend time with the Lord. He just felt miserable. And then the Lord challenged him. He's like, you forgot your first love. Spend time with me. And then he did. He, teach, he took that, and he, and he repented, and he did that, and he wrote something that would that'll mark me for the rest of my life. And this is a guy who was in prison. This is a guy in one of the most totalitarian prison, oppressive regimes on the earth today. He said, it is, it is, not, the man outside, um, it is not the man outside prison who, who, who I feel bad for. I mean, it's not the man in prison that I feel bad for. It's the person who doesn't have intimacy with God that I feel bad for. Like, when I read that, it just struck my heart because I'm just like, man, I could live. Like, this, I could die a happy man if just knowing that he's my portion, he's my reward. Yeah. When you remain in the love of the Lord and you remain in that retreats, as good as they are, there's something even better. And when you cultivate that time and you, and you go on a retreat, it's like, it's like, you're giving God more space to do more things in your life instead of going to the same thing back and back, back, back and, and, and again. You guys get me? Okay. Getting a little tired, so I'm slurring my speech. But, um, but here are some application points really quick, okay, before we, uh, we wrap up this message. Some application points. And um, this stuff that I kind of thought about, it's not super complicating, okay? Like, it's easy to understand, but it's powerful if you actually do it. And um, these are some strategies and some ways to help you process what you learned at retreat. Or even if you didn't go to retreat, some ways to kind of get yourself in the place where you get to um, have a time with the Lord. Um, and, it's, and it's acronym SLOW, S-L-O. And I said SLOW on purpose. 
Because when you grow in the Lord, it's never, it's not always a fast process, but it's slow. And it's good because it's slow. Because, you know, it's like you really enjoy your, your relationship with the Lord. And uh, when God does work in someone's life, it could be fast at times, but, but there's a depth and a richness in just, in the patience of, of something being proven over time. So I'm hope, hopefully I'm communicating with you. There's a profoundness in my acronym slow. But anyways, S, set a schedule and follow it. Plan your time with God. This is not anything new. You guys heard, you guys heard this again and again from, your, from pastors. But how many of you guys actually do it? Maybe that one brother there doesn't. <laughs> I gotta pray for you afterwards. You come out later. <laughs> Set a schedule and follow it. Plan your time with God. Number two, the L. Guess what the L is? Love voluntarily. Voluntarily is a key word. You know what moves God's heart? It's not just setting a, set, a, a time period to honor Him. Because honestly, a lot of people actually do that. We're just behind, but a lot of people actually do that, and, and, and the Lord honors that. But few people go beyond that. Few people take the steps from that and love them, not out of obligation, but voluntarily. Be like, I already had my quiet time with you this morning, God. But you know what? It's the end of the night. I have every reason to watch a movie and go to sleep afterwards or something or just veg out, but I choose to spend time with you. I choose to read about you in the Gospels right now and just see what you did. Like voluntary, everyone say voluntary love. Voluntary like that stuff moves the heart of God like nothing else. And you feel it in your heart when you're doing it. Like God's like, you would spend time with me? Like you already had your time with me. You, don't, you, don't, you, you could just, you know, do your own thing. But, but, when, but when we respond to that, God, no, I want to spend more time with you. Like that is a short track to, to like explosive growth spiritually. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> voluntary love. In fact, I would say the retreat was success if you're able to walk in voluntary love. There are few people who, who are able to do that. It's a nice idea, but few people actually do it. But I hope you're being challenged tonight to actually be the ones to do it, because it's not hard to do. It's not, it's not hard to do. You, we, we can all do it, and it will change your life. Voluntary love. Finally, oh, obey what the Lord has called you to do. It could be simple, something simple as give up something for a season, like fast something. It could be simple, something simple as share the gospel with someone or outreach to an unbeliever or listen to certain sermons and meditate on it. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to, to bet that God's, he has some assignments over you guys right now. Some things that he's asking you to do, but you've been putting him off. So let's just lay up the weight of that settle right now. <laughs> Try obeying the Lord and see what comes up after that. I'm telling you, you'll be at another level with the Lord. And another level of trust. And when you obey God in those kind of things, like you build a history with the Lord. And like that stuff is so meaningful and valuable when you cultivate your relationship with God. Okay, so then. Slow. What's S? Okay. L? Good. O? Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, guys. Let's build a history with the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right? Don't let your history just be these retreat experiences. Like, that's a sad history. Like, I really hope you guys can build a history with the Lord in the private, in the secret. I have, there's so much stuff between me and the Lord. Um, and I get convicted as I'm sharing this message because I feel like there could be so much more. But I've missed out. And uh, th- this is a heart-to-heart talk right now because I'm like 30. You know, I'm not, like, I'm not like 20 anymore, you know? It's not like I have a, a decade ahead of me. Like, I'm 30. Like, I'm entering my Jesus years. <laughs> you know, things are getting real. You know, I'm going to, hopefully, I got to get married. I got to have kids. You know, like stuff that you guys, you don't need to, like, rush up on. Like, life is now coming at me full circle. And as much as I have amazing history with the Lord, I know there's so much more. And there's so much more the Lord has in store for you. Before I close, I want to share one thing. One, one moment that will hopefully summarize just a lot of things that I shared. That one moment that I had with the Lord that just changed my life and continues to change my life today. 
There was a time when I was a youth pastor many years ago, and <clears throat> I was in seminary at the time. And when you're in seminary, it's so tough. Like, you're raised to people who are in seminary and do ministry at the same time because you get no break. Like, during the week, like, I went to, uh, I went to, I'm not trying to boast, but I went to Princeton Theological Seminary. And it's, like, academic. Like, it's, like, it's, like, hard, you know? It's not like torch, but it's, it's, a, it's like, I'm joking, I'm joking. But, um, a little bit. But, um, it's, 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 it's really a tough environment, okay? Like, I was a philosophy major at Rutgers, which is, like, top three in English-speaking nations of philosophy. Like, I would read some of the most dense philosophical topics, and I just scraped by and getting my degree, okay? But Princeton, when I went there and, and I was reading theology, I was like, this is, like, worse than my philosophy. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's tough, okay, doing that, and... And when, and when you're in that kind of routine, it's tough to prepare sermons. You just don't have time because you got to write papers and stuff like that. And there's one time I just, I just totally dropped the ball in preparing a sermon for a particular Sunday. And I just, and I'm just like, oh God, like I, I, I just draft up a really quick outline like the night before. I'm like, Lord, I need your grace. Lord, um, God, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to speak. It wasn't like I was that good of a preacher back then. I was like, I need like a manuscript. I need like word for word everything spelled out, you know, so I can just be like. You know, I just kind of preach from that kind of place. But I was like, oh, man, Lord, what am I going to do? But um, I just go in just grace and in faith. And, and that Sunday was actually a very powerful Sunday. Like the word of God came forward and, and kids were getting blessed and touched. And I was, like, I was like, oh, God, thank you so much. And after it was over, I'm just like patting myself on the back. I'm like, good job, Joel. Good job. You did a good job as if like I did anything. You know, I, I go after my sermons on Sunday, I, I always have a little ritual. I would go get McDonald's, a Big Mac meal. Now, now, like, much older, I look back, and I'm just like, I'm so stupid. You know, that stuff is so unhealthy, you know. After I preach the word of God, like, I just come and ingest a lot of junk. But, um, but I, I used to do that. That was my thing. So I'd go to McDonald's. I'd pick it up. Then I went back home, and I'm like, oh, what a, what a job well done, Joel. You did an amazing job at ministry today. Just relax. So I go home, open my laptop. You know, open my Facebook or whatever website I have on. Then I just felt the Lord just kind of speak into my heart. Joel, spend some time with me. And I was like, I'm like, why not? You know, God, you've done so much for my life. I mean, you just, you, God, you, you did so much for this message. The least I could do is just spend a moment of just thanksgiving before you. And so I just closed my eyes and I was just, and, and I just felt God say, now look into my eyes. And I was like, okay. And so I look into the eyes of God, and, and I, 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 let me be real before you. I don't know if it was like a real thing or just my imagination, but I remember what the Bible says about God's eyes. and says God's eyes are like eyes of fire. And so I was looking into his eyes. Like I saw imaginary eyes in my, in my head, and I was just looking into them. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 this, and I just say, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for... This sermon, thank you for the way it turned out. I don't deserve any of it, but Lord, I just really, really thank you. And as I was doing that, like something crazy happened where those eyes weren't just a part of my imagination. Like they became like real, like, like something so deep, something so supernatural, where I felt as I was looking into those eyes, I could sense like God's heart for me. Like I could sense how much he was for me. I could sense his joy and pleasure. And, and I could sense like this knowledge. It's not like he was speaking to me, but the impression I got in my heart, God was like, Joel, I'm not out to get you. You know, I'm not out to make your life miserable. Joel, I love you. Like, I'm for you. Like, everything I have is, is for you. It's for you. Like, the cross, it's for you. Like, I want your joy. I'm, I'm a God who is for you and passionate for you. And then I just saw those eyes, and I just remained there for, like, a long period of time. And, and my heart was just like something was happening in my heart. Like, when that happens, something happens to your heart. You know, it just became more vibrant, more alive. And then, and then I felt so much pleasure, like waves of pleasure come over me. It says, in the, it says in the Bible, God's not opposed to pleasure. When you seek the Lord, he's the author of pleasure. It says in the Bible that in his presence there's fullness of joy, eternal pleasure is his right hand. And I could only, that's the way I could describe it. I just felt so much pleasure over my heart. That was about maybe eight years ago. I still do that to this day. In my quiet times with God, I still have a moment in my quiet times where I look up into the eyes of God. And when I look into his eyes, it tells me different things for different seasons. Some seasons, it's like, Joel, be patient. This, this is too goofy. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, Joel, Michelle, be patient. 
I'm for you. <laughs> I had these intense eyes too on top of that. It's like, I got everything under control. You don't have to worry. I love you. <laughs> you know, like different things in different seasons. <laughs> but do you guys get that I have something with God that none of you guys share? Like I have a history with him? That's what he wants to create with you. He wants to be as relational with you as he's been with me. And there's nothing better in life. And I made it my life goal and commitment to, to be a foreigner and, and to help bring people into that reality. Because that's, that's the joy that God's called you to do. The retreat was the beginning. That was the easy part. But the real stuff starts now. Are you going to dig? Are you going to go for it? He's given you every tool that you need. Prove your change. The ball is in your court. What are you going to do about it? Let's pray.